Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, the idea of building social capital at work has been around for a while. There are a couple of parts to it. Your own social capital is your brand, your reputation, what people think about you. And if it's a strong brand, You'll be who people think about when they're great projects, they're signing, maybe there's promotions or other positive things that go with work. If you're a remote worker, though, it can be hard to build that social capital because you're kind of invisible. Or you might be if you don't work at it and you want to work at it because you want to be the one people think about when they do have those things to, to dole out. Well, my guest today says that remote and hybrid workers can indeed build social capital and that there are specific ways to do that. Her name is Elisa Licht, and she's the founder of Leave Your Mark and the author of a book called On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. I had a really good discussion with Elisa. We talked about why social capital is so important, and she also shared some really practical ways that workers can build it. However you work, in the office, remote, or any combination, it's a discussion worth listening to, so please stay with us to hear it. Well, how can hybrid workers build social capital? To talk about that, I'm joined by Elisa Licht. She's the founder of Leave Your Mark and the author of On Brand. Elisa, thank you so much for doing this. Linda, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's such an interesting topic, social capital. But before we even get to that, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in this area. Well, my background is in marketing communications and digital strategy in the fashion industry. And I've always been someone who had a very uh, strong view on the idea of personal branding. And in this post-pandemic world, and especially in the hybrid and very virtual workplace we now work in, I think it's important for people to understand how they're showing up no matter the medium. And the truth is, when you are remote, it's harder to stay visible. So, okay, let's talk about social capital first. How would you define that? Social capital is the idea that you're good to work with and other people understand that, right? So you're accessible. You deliver when you say you will. You deliver great work. They know they can count on you. They know that in a pinch, you'd be willing to jump in and raise your hand or do a favor. So it's it's that mutually beneficial relationship whereby you can call on someone quickly to do the thing you need them to do. And sometimes, you know, in an 11th hour or in a crisis situation, or you need someone to fill in, but really you're trusted and they know that your work is great. Yeah, you're still doing work, whether you're hybrid or fully remote. So what is the difference between being in the office and writing that report and being willing to take on something at the last minute and somebody having to contact you and asking you to do that? Well, listen, I mean, I know, you know, statistics show that product productivity is the same when you're remote. And while that may be true, the relationships that you're cultivating are different because you need to be more proactive to actually build relationships, especially there are so many teams right now that are working with people they've never met in person, right? Mm -hmm. And what that comes down to is really the importance of communication and especially persuasive writing because so much of work right now is via email or on Slack. So you have to understand 
how you're communicating in written form, but also that if you're not proactively communicating, you actually can sometimes feel a little bit left out because if there are certain team members that are, are in the office, those are usually the first people to have their finger on the pulse of new information and be able to have that FaceTime. So creating that virtual FaceTime is essential for remote workers. And you know, that is the thing, right? People are willing to sacrifice this. I completely understand that I don't need that extra boost because I'm not about to commute to get it. But there is something about seeing people in the morning when you're getting your coffee or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think a virtual coffee is, is as effective as an in-person coffee. But the point is you need to go outside of yourself and ask someone, say, let's catch up. Let's let's have a face-to-face. And maybe not just people on your team, but even cross-functionally to build those relationships. All right, so you've had some experience with this yourself, right? You were a corporate employee, then you went on your own. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I was a corporate employee for 17 years working in traditional public relations and fashion for Donna Karen. And um, long story short, I had, through my regular PR role, created an anonymous social media personality called CKY PR Girl, inspired by Gossip Girl. That became very, very famous and led to my first book, Leave Your Mark. And then after 17 years, I decided to go out on my own and consult. And I've been in and out of consulting and corporate back and forth for several years. Now I'm currently in the consulting phase again, but I leaned on my own social capital of all of the relationships that I cultivated over the years, over two decades to be able to have my emails and phone calls returned when I wasn't part of that company anymore. Because Linda, we know that like, it's very easy for people to lean on the credibility of their company to sort of create their own work identity. And the truth is, and, and you know, what I teach in On Brand, my book, is actually what you should be working on is making your own name mean something. You know, if you're working for an organization, that's not really what they're looking for, right? They're looking for you to be the team player and part of the, the brand, their brand. Well, it's funny that you say that because I believe there's an incredible halo effect for companies who actually promote the idea of their employees thinking about their personal brands. And I can tell you firsthand now, because I've been on the corporate uh, speaking circuit and my, my talk is actually how to establish your personal brand at work to drive success. And the companies that are bringing me in understand that if their employees, if their employees build their own visibility within the, within the org, they are more likely to have job satisfaction and also feel like, they're being valued for what they do. And it's not about bragging and it's not about screaming your name from the rooftops. It's not even about having a social media presence. What it is, is being able to convey what you do well and making sure other people can speak about you when you're not in the room. Because to me, a strong personal brand is when your name is dropped in rooms you're not in and you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. Okay, so let's talk about the concrete ways people can make that happen. You're working hybrid or maybe fully remote. Um, What is the first thing to think about if you want to be the person who's built social capital and gets called? Camera on. (laughs) Camera on. I mean, it's. I agree. You know, you know, unless you're neurodivergent, which I understand that you can't like listen and see at the same time, it's 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 very distracting. But for everyone else, being able even virtually to have that eye contact to show you're engaged, to come prepared to a meeting, to bring ideas, 
that goes a long way. And, you know, for me, especially post pandemic, like when I am staring and when I'm staring in a meeting to a black screen with someone's name, like I don't feel connected and I find it harder to actually like have a conversation with someone. Like you want to feel like you're, it's a back and forth. So starting there with camera on, being on top of your communication, I think we all understand that repetition is reputation, right? So if you're the person who's really hard to get in touch with and you don't respond to emails quickly, or you're someone who says you're going to deliver that report, but actually you, you make up your own deadlines and you don't actually deliver it when you say you will. Those are the kinds of things that you can become known for. So being mindful of how you doing your job affects other people doing their jobs especially if you're working in different time zones. Okay, it's interesting you mentioned this from the worker's point of view. You also work with organizations. From an organizational point of view, what are the guidelines you should be giving people? One is obviously keep your camera on, which people kind of hate, um, some people anyway, which is probably not fair because if they're in the office, you can see them. So you should be able to see them on meetings. But beyond that, what are the directives you'd say that should go out to improve communications? I think regular touch bases are really important. Having a one-on-one with your manager every week, having a team meeting every week, maybe having some cross-functional meetings where you can reconnect with team members that you're working on specific projects with. But I think that FaceTime and the collaboration and the discussion is essential to the success of any single project at any single company, no matter the industry you work in. And and also understanding the expectations for those meetings. No one needs to have more meetings on their schedule, right? So understanding like the agenda, right? Having an agenda, a, a shared agenda is the best where you're like, here's the agenda doc. Here are my points that I'm throwing in for this meeting. Throw in anything you want to discuss. So you're going in with a plan. You're going in understanding what you're aiming to come out of that meeting with. And I think that especially when people are onboarding in a company, it's actually the, the, the company's job to explain, this is how we think about meeting culture. This is how we think about one-on-one. This is how we think about how you deliver direct feedback or take feedback. So all of sort of the rules of engagement of working should be something that the company sort of facilitates and, and, and spreads throughout the organization. And, and their mission, their values, everything else, but also like how work works within a meeting. So for example, one of my clients is Warby Parker. And one of this sort of work culture things is if you're going to decline a meeting to actually say why you can't come, are you out of the office? Do you have a conflict? Just, just not to just decline, right? It's a courtesy. It's just a nice thing. But when you join the company, you kind of learn like, okay, I'm not just going to decline. I'm going to say why I'm not going. So having manners and having, having sort of a gracious way of working with people, whether you're in the office or remote, is, is a really nice thing to model, I think. Now, you've mentioned um, being on top of your emails and the like, but what other things in terms of technology should you be thinking about? So, I mean, this is my personal favorite tool. Uh, Calendly has changed my life. (laughs) Um, No, it has. And I think that a lot, especially if you are someone who deals with external clients, right? The back and forth email hockey of trying to schedule a meeting can literally kill you. Like you could go five rounds before anyone responds. 
then there a day goes by, then someone comes back, they have a conflict on the time they threw out. So Calendly is a great way to just say, love to set up time, feel free to throw out some dates and times that work with work for you. Or if it's easier, feel free to grab some time on my calendar. And I mean, no back and forth, done. It's booked or it's not booked. And that has um, that has been an incredible efficiency hack for me personally. Interesting. Okay, you wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review. That's where I first saw your thoughts on this. One thing I thought was interesting is you talk about practicing gratitude. What is that? So we forget the power of saying thank you. We forget the power of saying to somebody else, what are you working on? How can I help? Those are two really powerful things. And by the way, phrases that will disarm anyone. So when you think about building authentic relationships with people you work with, especially if you're remote, the idea of saying to someone, hey, I'm actually like a little bit slower this week. What are you working on? Can I help you? Like, is there anything you need me to do? I mean, wouldn't you love to be that person, the recipient of that question and be like, actually, you can help me. Here's what you can do. And when you offer that out or you say thank you to someone, you acknowledge someone else's work that has helped you, it just goes a long way and it comes back in spades. And it's a way that we can sort of increasingly build the relationships and the foundational um, aspects of our colleague relationships that really help us be nimble, you know, in times that aren't so great, right? Where there are company layoffs or there's a crisis situation at work. When you have those relationships and you know you can work really well with people and you know you just did that other person a favor last week and now you're in a bind and can say like, hey, I'm really in a pinch. Can you help me? That's that's an incredible thing to be able to do. Okay, so we talked a little bit about, you know, making contact, but it's still difficult. You're remote and probably your only interaction with people is when you get an assignment. How, how do you make those coffee relationships? we get back to that. Should you be like reaching out and saying, let's have coffee? Or are you a believer in those, you know, the early, let's make a virtual quilt. Let's have happy hour online. Cause some of those things didn't work. Yeah, no, I think, I think, listen, those corporate culture things of happy hour online, I mean, everyone's kind of over that, but a one-on-one and, and actually just like getting to know someone you work with, I think does actually have impact, especially if perhaps your only relationship has been very, very strictly business and they don't really know you. And maybe it isn't the warmest relationship. Getting to know someone personally is going to sort of add the grease that you need to like smooth things along. And I see that a lot with people who are remote versus people in the office. And you kind of have to proactively say like, hey, you know what? We haven't had a chance to really work together or get to know each other on this before this project. Like, let's spend some time. Let's, I would love to hear about you and learn more about you. And when you turn it on the other person, like everyone loves talking about themselves and their experience. And I think it's important to understand where people are coming from in their worldview. You've mentioned independent contractors in your writing. And I know you are one. Actually, I am one as well. Is that different in terms of relationships? Well, it is because you are invisible unless you're not, right? You're No one's contacting you unless you are proactively reaching out to people. For the most part, you have to do a lot more work to be in touch with potential clients 
uh, unless you're a very famous consultant and people are calling you all the time, you have to spend a lot of time talking to people, telling people what you do, understanding what projects other people are working on, seeing how you can fit in. And one of the things that I that I really try to emphasize in my book on brand is like the first subtitle is shape your narrative so that other people can speak about you on your behalf when you're not there, right? So how do you get recommended for something as a solopreneur? People have to understand the value that you bring and be able to say, oh, actually, I have someone in mind for that. Let me connect you. That's what you need to arm people with. And if you don't tell people what you do or the services you provide, and you don't consistently show up either in their inbox or on social media to remind them that you're there, they're probably not going to think about you. Not because they're trying to be like rude, but because they're busy in their own world. Okay. So Lisa, if you had to summarize this, you had to talk about the value of social capital. What's the argument you'd make? You're going to be the first person they call when they need help. So if you are accessible, it makes you indispensable. And if someone knows that they can text you in the 11th hour because someone dropped out of a project and you can jump in and fill that void, you will be called time and again. So creating that social capital with someone. Remember, you can't buy social capital. You have to earn it. You have to have done the work successfully for someone to have that muscle memory of like, oh, right, she was really good. Let's call her again. That is how you also get repeat business and that's how you get referrals. Aliza, thank you so much for talking to me today. Linda, thank you so much for the great questions and for inviting me on. It was great. Aliza Licht is the founder of Leave Your Mark and the author of On Brand. Well, that's it for today. If you did enjoy this discussion and you want to know more about Lisa and her book, please take a look at her show notes. You'll find some notes there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter and at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this discussion about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will really help people to find us. It will help us keep these discussions going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.